to uh, <clears throat> mix holiday metaphors. What a cornucopia of the presentations of patriotism. From all around the globe, Russia, France, Germany, and the United States. And looking at those different presentations of love of country, you might even say, you know, that's really, it's untenable, unholdable to say we should love our country because it's too complex, too uncertain. And we, we saw there just the full breadth of what can be called patriotism. And I think in turn what we do then is throw the proverbial baby out with the bathwater and then possibly ignore God's call to us as participants, as citizens in secular governments. So what I want us to do today is turn to the Scriptures for God's clear guidance on how we, we navigate our participation in whatever secular government we find ourselves in. In a way, I want to... I think what we find in our passage is we find the, the boundary lines upon which to play together. It's important to know what's out of bounds and what's in bounds. We, always, we never set it up in our little badminton in the backyard and we end up always fighting over the boundary lines. Where if we just set it up you know, ahead of time, then we'd still fight a little bit, but at least we'd know... Well, these are the boundary lines upon which we as followers of Jesus can play together in this complex issue of patriotism, love of country. The New Testament passages are just a few, really, that deal with government. Um, if you want to write them down, look at them uh, later, feel free. Mark chapter 12, verses 14 through 17, that's where Jesus says, given, render unto Caesar what is Caesar, and God's what is God's. Romans 13, 1 through 7, which we'll allude to a little later. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, and Titus 3, 1 through 3, both are the places where we hear and we're called to, to pray for those that lead our governments. But our passage today is 1 Peter chapter 2, the specific part about uh, our authorities, our governmental authorities, is found on verses 13 through 17. But I wanted us, and I think it's really important, to get the context, to get the foundation, the, the whole situation of the passage. Uh, and so we'll start with verse 9. It's found on page 984 in your pew Bible if you want to turn there. First Peter chapter 2. Starting with verse 9. And here we'll, we'll get the, the boundary lines for the community of Jesus' followers. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. And we pray that you will, will speak to us. You will lead us as, as one people. With different perspectives and understandings and preferences. But one people following Jesus. Guide us and lead us to obey and follow you. To bring you glory and honor. Speak to us through your written word. Jesus we pray. Amen. 
First Peter chapter 2, starting with verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that though they malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when He comes to judge. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme or of governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. Honor everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What we see in the first part of the passage is our first boundary line. That as Jesus followers, our first community, our primary community, our essential community, our fellow Jesus followers, what we call the church. The people who follow Jesus together. Not an institution, not an organization, not a building, but a people. They are our first. They are our essential connection and allegiance to one another as we seek to follow Jesus. That's what Peter says in this radical verse, in in verse 9. This opening statement. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. This is another one of those times when it's good to have in your vocabulary, y'all. Or you together, or even youans, if you want to use that word. Because that's what he's saying, y'all. And look at the three words that he uses to describe the community of Jesus followers. You are now a new group of people. And it goes so deep that you now are a new race. Your your race is secondary to being part of the group of Jesus followers. You are now a group of priests kingly priest, a royal priesthood. I mean, you are now in this the position of authority, of connection with God as a priest, royal as a king. A new race, a new priesthood. You are now, as a people, a new nation. All of the possible affinities and allegiances that you might have felt to being a race, a a priesthood, a nation, a people, are now secondary to this essential creation of God in the church of Jesus Christ. 
being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, has higher significance than even our ethnicity or citizenship on earth. Peter, just like Paul, does, does the same thing. Makes a huge change here. Demonstrates the change from the, the Old Testament to the New Testament. Where the, the church, the group of people who are following Jesus together, are the new Israel. Grafted on to the vine. But the, the promises of God now continue through the church. I mean, it's... Very much a prominent part of Reformed Presbyterian theology. That Israel being God's chosen people, God's chosen priesthood, God's chosen nation is now found in the followers of Jesus. Uh, Peter's referring most likely to Exodus 19, if you want to look back there, verses 1 through 6, or Isaiah 43. Verse 20 and 21, two references that he's making is now the the church is fulfilling the promises and blessings that God had made to Israel. This is an important corrective, uh, an important boundary that, that those that maybe give too high of an allegiance or value to their earthly citizenship, or maybe a corrective to those that give too low a value to the allegiance we have as God's people together, as Jesus' followers. I've had someone in in my office in the last year and a half come in and say to me, they really truly believe that the nation is the hope of the world. That the United States has what it takes to be the hope of the world. And I think that's outside the bounds here. Because Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And the church of Jesus Christ are those who have been charged to carry His flame, to distribute His hope. And the hope of the world is only found in Him. Not in any nation. Not in any human institution. So our first community, our essential community... It is to one another as fellow followers of Jesus. We are, we, we make up, we consist of, we, we're, we are a transnational community of people who are saved from sin and death and divine judgment by the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, filled with His Spirit. We together are committed to following Jesus and doing good in Every area of life to the glory of God. In a way, that's another definition of jubilee. A a community of people that are sold out for Christ together. That is our essential community. Peter lays it out even further in verses 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and exiles to abstain from the desires of the flesh that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that, they may malign, so that though they may malign you as evildoers, they may see your honorable deeds and glorify God when He comes to judge. See how he wants to make it clear. We're aliens and strangers when it really gets to the core here. Our essential Ethnicity, citizenship, and allegiance are to God and to God's people, to one another. 
We are aliens and strangers. But the result of being sold out to Christ, the result of giving our allegiance and our commitments unto God, the result is that we do good no matter what. That we are a witness. The whole point of this is not so that we can go do what we want that frees us from responsibilities as citizens, but so that we will do good. And it leads right into being a citizen. On the other hand, the other boundary line He then gives. Because our allegiance to God, our calling as God's people, means that we participate fully in our national community. Whatever it might be. Not only participate fully, but that we are exemplary citizens. Even sacrificial citizens. We have the purple heart. Here's a real purple heart, so I'm not going to touch it. I don't want to do anything to it. Which, which recognizes that sacrificial service that we affirm for those that, that give to others in the, the line of duty in the armed forces. Uh, in a way, it's a, a symbolism for all of us as we are willing to sacrifice for the benefit of others as exemplary citizens of our nation. Even sacrificial citizens. Verse 13. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every human institution, whether of the emperor as supreme or of governors as sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right, you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. Strong words here. And I don't know why the New Revised Standard Version translators translated the word accept. If you're looking, verse 13. For the Lord's sake, accept the authority of every institution. The word everywhere else is translated submit. But for some reason they translated accept. It's submit to the authorities. Verse 17, we're told to honor the emperor at the very end. So both submit to the authority of the governing authorities and honor, respect. Honor, respect, submit and obey. Both attitude and action is what followers of Jesus are to exhibit as citizens of a nation. Now, the political ethos in our day can be so harsh, so combative, so negative, that we are emotionally unable to respect and honor the person who isn't our candidate. And for followers of Jesus, that isn't an option. Deriding comments, bumper stickers that say, don't blame me because I voted for the other guy. Demonizing commentary of our government officials, whether it was Clinton or whether it's Bush. Are not an option for followers of Jesus. 
It's a pretty strong statement. Do, do you know anything about those people you just mentioned, you might be asking? Well, do you know who was in authority when Peter wrote this? The Roman government. The emperor most likely was Nero, who led charges of persecution on whim against the church, who supposedly were told fiddled while Rome burned. I mean, if ever there was a loser emperor, it would be Nero. And yet Peter is saying, submit yourself under his authority. Attitude of respect and honor and actions of obedience to the emperor, to the president, to the governor, to the mayor, to the police, whatever governing authorities there are in their minions. Obey the laws and pay the taxes. My uh, kids can't stand this passage when I quote it when we're driving on the highway, obeying the speed limit. It's what we're told to do. It's the law. And I can't stand it on April 15th. Because I even fill out that little state form on things I've bought through the mail and I'm supposed to pay sales tax on, you know, but I didn't pay because I bought them through the mail. And I fill that out and pay those taxes too. Simple, but real. Attitude of respect and honor, actions of obedience. We are to honor and obey as exemplary citizens. Why? Verse 14 or 15, after he's, 14 and 15, as he's, after Peter's lifted, listed, emperors, supreme governors, says, they are sent by him, meaning the Lord, to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing right you should silence the ignorance of the foolish. Romans 13, Paul says it even more clearly, that all authority... All human authorities, God has set up. God has ordained as a provision and a protection. They are God's representatives for us to obey. They are in the, not only has God sent them, but God has sent them in order to punish what is wrong and to commend what is right. And we are to obey them, not only because they're from God, not only they uh, affirm what is right and punish what is wrong, but as we obey them, we are to be a witness to others, as exemplary citizens, helping to promote the growth and order of our nation so that others might see and be impacted for God through that act of obedience. The nation, our citizenship, is a secondary commitment. It is a secondary community as our nation, as fellow, whatever our citizenship might be. But it is one placed with great importance by God for provision and protection. It is not an option for us to dismiss our responsibility as a citizen. Or to say, you know, the system is just failed completely, so I opt out. I'm free. Or we can be like the guy on eBay that got arrested recently who tried to sell his vote on eBay. 
See that? 19-year-old guy from Minnesota. It's illegal to do that, but so he's now in court. But I think the same issue was going on in Peter's day, which is why we have verse 16. As servants of God, live as free people, yet do not use your freedom as a pretext for evil. See, it's very easy to read this, the first part, and our primary responsibility is to one another as Jesus followers. We are aliens and strangers of this world, so forget all the other authorities that are around us. Let's do our thing. I'm free in Christ to do my thing. To which Peter says, wrong. Wrong answer. Wrong application. You are not, this is not a freedom from our responsibility to honor and obey our governing officials. It's just the opposite. Even in Peter's day, under the Emperor Nero, the freedom that he found in Christ was a freedom to obey. To sacrifice for the common good of all as an exemplary citizen. Alright, so the authority is created by God for God's purposes and witness. So some of you ought to be asking if you haven't totally drifted by now. If you're following along, you ought to be wondering somewhere in here, well, what if the governing officials are wrong? What if the governing officials go against God's design? Well, that is the beauty of how Peter presented his points here. He separated our allegiance, gave higher value, of significantly higher value to our allegiance to being a part of the Jesus follower community. But it flows out of that our full participation in whatever government we're a part. And in those times where the community of Jesus followers concludes that the community of the government is going wrong against God's way and the means to pursue change like we have today in our great system of democracy, we must keep our highest priority and work to make changes for the right. We must work in our system, sacrificially, in order to not just keep the the jubilee community of Jesus Christ to ourselves, but to share it with even our nation. We certainly have a long line of history where our brothers and sisters in Christ have done the same. William Wilberforce in England, who out of his commitment to Christ, fought and sacrificed in order to oppose and change the evil but legal slave trade in his day. Lech Walesa and the church's role in Poland, who opposed the legal oppression of communism, and fought to change it. Desmond Tutu in South Africa, who as an exemplary citizen sacrificed in order to fight and change the legal yet evil 
oppression of apartheid. And Dr. King and the civil rights movement in our own nation, who, out of his allegiance to the community of Jesus followers, and with many of them by his side, fought the legal yet evil oppression of segregation. And history goes even further than that. Do you remember Daniel? We studied him just a few weeks ago. And he showed us that there are times to say no to our secondary communities when they contradict our primary community. And Peter did the same. In Acts chapter 4, verse 18 through 20, he told the leaders of Jerusalem, I cannot obey you, I must obey God. We are called to that same service, that same sacrificial service, that same exemplary citizenship in our secondary community to to let overflow the jubilee freedom that we have in Jesus Christ together and let that overflow into our world to help make our national community more like our jubilee community. Peter has set before us uh, here that how we as followers of Jesus, how we have boundaries, that our our first, our essential community is, is as Jesus followers. We are a new race, a new nation, a new community belong to God. Yet as a part of that community, we are required to submit to the national authorities that we have before us. And within that playground, within that field, we play together, we serve together, we sacrifice together in order for the Jubilee community of Jesus to overflow so that others might see, might taste and experience the freedom, the true freedom that any one in any nation can have in Jesus Christ. Now, I know, I hope even, that maybe uh, within that boundary there are a lot of questions and maybe even a few can of worms that have been opened, at least in your mind. And if so, I invite you today, as we've been doing this summer, 1230 have a brown bag lunch in Fellowship Hall. And we'll meet there just to, to talk about these boundaries and what does it mean in, in between to be sacrificial citizens of a nation to God's glory and honor. We'll meet there from 12.30 to 1.30. You're welcome to stay longer. Um, but uh, I have to leave at uh, 1.30. But that'll be a good time to continue to talk and learn and grow as we seek to fulfill our ultimate obligation to our first, our essential community, and to our secondary communities, all under the lordship of Jesus. And no matter where we stand, 
And it's really interesting. I've had people from every, from the extremes that I shared with you say, you know, the United States is the hope of the world. Uh, To those, some of you here say, no, it's not the hope of the world. It's just the opposite. I mean, I've had literally people from this congregation say they believed those two extremes. Probably some in here now with those two extremes. And yet now we come together at the table. Just as we have come to God's written word to find what is the the clear common ground, now we come to the table to celebrate and receive our common Lord, our common Savior together. To affirm, to celebrate that essential primary community that we are.